Welcome to the It Is Written podcast. As doubts about God's will arise, the world resorts to feelings and experts. We go to the law and to the testimony of God's word. In today's episode, we're going to take a look at the story of Joseph, beginning in Genesis chapter 37. Jacob had essentially four wives and 12 sons, but the oldest son of his favorite wife was actually his 11th born son, Joseph, and he really favored him. He gave him a special coat that the other brothers were so jealous of because it became his badge of favoritism. He had also given a bad report about their work as a shepherd, and he had some dreams that irritated them. And so Jacob had sent him on a long journey to to look in on his older brothers and make sure they were doing okay. They saw him coming, and they thought, we're going to do something with him. So they grabbed him, they took his coat off of him, and they ended up selling him to some traders who were going to Egypt, selling their 17-year-old brother. Pretty outrageous behavior. And then Reuben, who hadn't been involved with it, the oldest son came back and said, what are we going to tell our father? So they take the coat, they kill a goat, and they dip the coat in goat's blood and take it to their father and let him draw his own conclusions, which were that a wild beast must have found him and killed him because here's his coat with all this blood on it. And so he's very devastated by that. Meanwhile, Joseph is sold to the captain of Pharaoh's bodyguard in Egypt. And he does very well. He's The Lord's with him, and he's blessed, and he becomes in charge of the whole household and all the servants. But Mrs. Potiphar is in love with, with Joseph. She's infatuated with him, and she keeps trying to get him to have affair, an affair with him, her, and he refuses to do that, which is really impressive. Joseph could have easily felt, felt sorry for himself and justified it. He could have let success go to his head, and she was persistent. She was forever reopening the closed question of whether or not they'd have an affair. And finally, she just grabs him, and he flees from her, leaving his coat in her hand. And she falsely accuses him of making advances on her, and her husband throws him in prison. While in prison, there's a couple of guys, the royal cupbearer and the royal baker, that have dreams that trouble them. And Joseph, by God, is able to interpret their dreams, which includes that the butler would be restored to favor with with Pharaoh in three days. And Joseph said, please remember me. I'm in here unjustly. Tell Pharaoh about me. And then he promptly forgets him. Now, Joseph has been doing right all along. His brothers sold him into slavery at 17 years old. Miss Potiphar lies about him. The cupbearer forgets him. And Joseph still is faithful to God. He's 30 years old before he gets out of prison. 13 years as a slave and a prisoner, and he's been doing what's right that whole time. Joseph has been faithful in in those things. And Pharaoh ends up having a dream and telling the royal royal cupbearer about it. And he says, oh yeah, I remember this dude in prison that interpreted my, my dream and the dream of the baker, and it came out just exactly as he said. So they got him out and brought him to Pharaoh, and he's able to interpret his dreams that involve seven years of plenty and then seven years of famine. And he ends up appointing Joseph as the vice Pharaoh and head of famine relief. You think about, it took so many years to start seeing God's plan unfold, but he'd been faithful. What if he'd had an affair with Potiphar's wife? None of this would have happened. His faithfulness led to his promotion. And so this famine, after seven years of plenty, hits the whole region. 
And Joseph is probably expecting some of his brothers to come for food. They're selling the food. And sure enough, he sees 10 brothers. The 11th one is his little brother, the only other one of his favorite wife. And Jacob has kept him back home because he doesn't want the same thing to happen to him that happened to Joseph. Clearly, he's the new Benjamin. He's the new Joseph. Benjamin is the new Joseph. Yes. And uh, his father favors him just like he had Joseph. So... Joseph does not tell his brothers who he is. Of course, they're not expecting to see him as vice Pharaoh and speaking Egyptian and dressed in Egyptian, and this has been 20 years. And, but he's expecting to see them, and he knows who they are. He interrogates them roughly, and he sends them back home. But he sends them back home with the money that they were spent and given to him for the grain in the top of their sacks. So this is kind of interesting. Uh, would you read chapter 42, verses 27 and 28? At the place where they lodged for the night, one of them opened his sack to get the feed for his donkey, and he saw his silver there at the top of his bag. He said to his brothers, My silver has been returned. It's here in my bag. Their hearts sank. Trembling, they turned to one another and said, What has God done to us? Now that's an unusual reaction. Yes. If you got your money returned to you for something, (laughs) we'd say this is our lucky day. We got our money back along with what we bought. They think, oh no, what's God doing to us? I think it's a sign of a guilty conscience. Uh, Oh, amen. Yes. They knew it was wrong to sell their brother. And the fact that Jacob had mourned and grieved that for these 20 years, they're looking for this to be like divine payback. They had been carrying this guilt for years. So they interpret the return of their money. And each one of them had the money in their sacks as some sort of terrible omen. And uh, they tell their father that they can't come back and see him, Joseph has said, unless they bring their little brother. And Jacob is adamant. In verse 38, he said, My son shall not go down with you, for his brother is dead and he alone is left. If harm should befall him on the journey you are taking, then you will bring my gray hair down to Sheol in sorrow. Did you hear that? Jacob says, my son won't go down with you. Who were they? His His other sons. (laughs) You know, he's the only one left. What about them? Clearly, Jacob is favoring Benjamin just as much or more as he favored Joseph Mm -hmm. earlier. He let Joseph go on a trip by himself. He was not going to let Benjamin even go with his brothers. He doesn't doesn't trust that something bad won't happen to Benjamin, and he can't stand that. Anything can happen to them, but not to Benjamin. Yes. So that's his situation. So the brothers have to go back for more food. And they tell their father, we got to take Benjamin. And he, didn't, he says no at first, but it's not going to help Benjamin to die of starvation. So he finally reluctantly sends him. And so Benjamin goes down to this next trip. And of course, Joseph knows them. He interrogates them. He does all kinds of things with them. But in chapter 44, uh, would you read verses 1 and 2? Joseph commanded his steward, fill the men's bags with as much food as they can carry and put each one's silver at the top of his bag. Put my cup, the silver one, at the top of the youngest one's bag along with the silver for his grain. So he did as Joseph told him. So Joseph has this special silver cup and he tells his servant to put it in the top of the youngest one's bag. That must have been puzzling to him. You know, he must have really liked that young one to, to give him his cup. But as soon as they're out of sight, Joseph calls this servant back in and says in verse 4, Up, ah, follow the man, and when you overtake them, say to them, 
Why have you repaid evil for good? Is not this the one from which my Lord drinks and which he indeed uses for divination? You have done wrong in doing this. He accuses them of stealing that cup. I don't know what he, uh, what he thought Joseph was up to here, but he's just the servant, so he goes and catches them. He says, how did you steal that cup? He could track you anywhere. That cup he uses for divination. Of course, they have the cup, but never mind. Yeah, yes. Uh, and so, uh, so he, they say, no, 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 we don't have this cup. If you find this cup with somebody, they'll die. You know, they're, they're bound to determine. They didn't take that cup. So this servant who had actually placed the cup starts with the oldest son. He unties the bag. He opens it. He looks all through the bag. No cup. He ties that back up again. He goes to the second borns, the third borns, the fourth borns. This is an Oscar-winning performance here on his part. And one by one by one until they come finally to Benjamin's bag. Now, you can imagine how the brothers are feeling. Oh, oh they're like, we brought him with us. and Look what he's done. Right. Well, I'm thinking even just about how frustrated they are that they're looking through their bags. And obviously, none of us took it. And then he opens Benjamin's bag. Yes. And there's that cup. Yeah. Whoa. You know, Daddy's other pet has stolen that cup and gotten us all in big trouble. Yeah. You can imagine how infuriating they, infuriated they could be with Benjamin. But all of this has been a strategy on Joseph's part. Yes. Will they betray their right. the new Joseph the same way they did him? Yeah. So that all of them are hauled back before Joseph. And he complains about stealing the cup. And he says, look, I'm a, I'm a good guy. I'm a fair guy. The guy who stole the cup, he stays as my slave. The rest of you can go back home. Mm-hmm. Just what they would have wanted if they'd had the same attitude toward Benjamin that they had toward Joseph 20 years before. Yes. But Judah speaks. He has an impassioned speech. And he basically says, we can't go back without Benjamin. It will kill my father. He can't handle this. And so he finally says in verse 33, now, therefore, please let me, he calls him your servant, let let me remain instead of the lad a slave to my Lord and let the lad go up with his brothers. Mm -hmm. He begs himself to sacrifice, begs to sacrifice himself for a brother loved more than he is. That shows a real change of heart. Yes. Joseph has discovered that these brothers have repented. They will not do to Benjamin, even in a wonderful opportunity, what they had done to him. And so he reveals himself to them. It's a joyous reunion. It's frightening at first for the brothers when they realize it's Joseph. What's he going to do to them? But he says, don't hold it against yourself. Don't beat yourselves up over this. And the whole family is going to move down to Egypt. Yes. And somewhere in there as well, he even tells them, when you go on your way, don't argue with each other. He does. He's concerned for them. Yeah. So that's a wonderful story. It really shows us the blessing of faithfulness. Mm -hmm. It shows us a man can be like Joseph. So many things happened to him that were bad. So many injustices. And yet he continues serving God. And God finally exalts him and gives him the opportunity to save his whole family from starvation. So it was a wonderful blessing. And, and you read these stories, and I've always loved reading the story of Joseph. We just summarized it quickly, but I think reading this last part of Genesis is some of the most exciting stuff in the Bible. And even though I know what's going to happen, it still is fun to read it and think about it. But one of the things that amazes me about the Bible is that it's so deep. Mm-hmm. You can read it on several levels. So that story is a great story and tells you wonderful lessons, but it also foreshadows another story in the Bible. I want to do a who am I for a minute. You'll okay. immediately see where this is going. But I want you to think about the parallels that Joseph has to another famous Bible character. Sure. Who am I? I am the beloved son of my father. 
My father sent me away, far away on an errand of kindness. In carrying out my mission, my own people, because of jealousy, delivered me into the hand of strangers. I was sold for several shekels of silver. I was strongly tempted, but I resisted. Because of my righteousness, I was falsely accused and condemned. Mm -hmm. I was stripped of my robe. Two others were punished with me, though one of them was restored. But God was with me and reversed the hideous injustices. I came to have all authority, second only to the supreme king himself. Even those who sold me ultimately bowed down before me. I became the very means by which God saved the ones who wronged me. After my death, I was revealed first to the ten, then to the eleven. Who am I? That's Jesus. Isn't that amazing? Mm -hmm. Isn't that amazing how God in this story can interweave so many foreshadowings of yes. Jesus. Joseph becomes a foreshadowing of Jesus himself. Yes, it is fascinating. And how many of the other Bible stories are we able to do that with? Exactly. Okay. What it shows you is there's deep reasons for our faith. We, we believe because the Bible is a book like none other, written over 1,500 years by 40 different people, but a constant theme, so many interconnections, so much depth to it, so much consistency. It's clearly God's book. It's been inspired, I mean, written by 40 different authors over thousands of years in between those books. And yet it has this complete story that you can look backward and forward and follow all the threads. It's a beautiful book. It is. It's the reason why it needs to be our everything. We come back to it. We enjoy it. We study it. We let it be the guide for our lives. Amen. So we really learn a lot from the Joseph story, but especially think about Joseph's faithfulness under very difficult circumstances and how God ultimately rewarded that. Thank you for listening to the It Is Written podcast. If you have any questions or comments that you would like to share with us, feel free to send Gary an email at garyfisher1063 at gmail.com. We hope you have a blessed day.